people, they feed you, and that'd be a long flight over there. And besides all that, snip, snip, snip. Do you realize there'll be over 100,000 people there? Pope will be up there on a little shelf, and you ain't even going to get close, and won't even be able to see him. Boy, that old guy got out of there and left the barbershop and thought, my gosh. About like the world we live in, isn't it? He decided to go anyway. He got back. Time for a haircut. He come in there and he sat down. The old barber said, well, did you go to Rome? He said, I sure did. Yeah, I bet that was good. He said, well, I'll tell you, it's the nicest plane I've ever been on. He said, they had foot massagers in front of you. You get a foot massage. He said, may have been the prettiest and the nicest flight attendants I've ever experienced on an airplane. And he said, they wasn't peanuts. They fed us a steak and baked potato. That old barber said, yeah, but I bet when you got there, that 100,000 was there, and I bet that was something. He said, exactly. They estimated about 100,000. And he'd look like a little bitty thing up there on the shelf. And while I was listening to him, I got a tap on my shoulder, and I looked around, and I, without doubt, I knew it was some from authority people from the Vatican. They said, come with us. He said, I wasn't sure where we was going, but they escorted me over there and put me in an elevator made of gold. And he said, we headed up and he said all of a sudden them doors open and right in front of me sat the Pope of Rome in all of his prestige and I could not believe it he was sitting right there and I just looked at him and I said Pope listen I'm sitting down there and a hundred thousand people why in the world would you have these two guys come and get me and have me stand right here before you before you go anywhere other than that just tell me how you picked me out he said well I'll tell you I've spoken in front of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And I've never seen anybody with that bad a haircut. And I just wanted to come. Boy, some people just know how to deal with negative people. And I don't think that's how the scriptural tells us to deal with negative people. But if you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10... And you will find verses 40, 41, and 42. As you turn there, I want to let you know what's went on in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus has called His disciples to Himself. And He has told them, listen to me, I need you guys to preach to the poor. I need you guys to heal the sick. I need you guys to cleanse the lepers. Cast out some demons. And guys, if you don't mind, I'm going to have you raise some from the dead. That's all I expect out of you. And then he says, listen to this. I'm sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Now, we know that preachers sometimes get words backwards. Last Wednesday night, nobody corrected me till it was over. My oldest boy, he's just got that gift. He come up to me and he said, Dad, you just asked the saved to come up here and get lost. I said, I What? He said, when you give the invitation, you ask the saved to come to the front and get lost. I looked at him and I said, no, I didn't. And about four around said, yeah, you did. 
And I said, well, surely, to goodness, they know what I meant. Even though I didn't say what I meant. So I'm determined, Brother Dave, that these twelve looked at each other. They'd heard preachers get stuff backwards. And when he said, I'm going to send you out as lambs among wolves, I'm sure they went to elbow another and said, boy, he got that backwards. He meant he sent us out as wolves among sheep. But let me tell you what, Jesus ain't your normal preacher and he ain't never messed up. Jesus meant what he said right there and he said what he meant. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. There's going to be a den of starving wolves, and I'm sending you guys out as plump little lambs. They're going to gnaw your meat off your bones, and then they're going to take your bones and get your meat out of their teeth. That's what he just said. And then he says, and by the way, they're going to arrest you. They're going to throw you out of the churches. Don't you imagine they're looking around at each other saying, what in the world did we sign up for? Don't worry about what you're going to say when you're in front of the court. I'll give you the words. <laughs> I hope so. Your family's going to disown you. And you're probably going to die. I'm pretty sure that these guys in Matthew 10 are going, I don't know about this deal. But then here comes the final three verses. He says, He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Verse 41 says, He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And then verse 42 says, And whoever gives one of these, one of the little ones, only a cup of water in the name of disciple, assuredly, I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So everything that was going to happen, it seems to me like there was 39 verses of discouragement. And it seems like there was three verses of encouragement. Have you guys ever read 1 Samuel? Where David and his army comes back and all the women and all the children have been taken captive. David, he was a hero. They just won a big war. But he come back and all the women and children were taken. And they begin to weep and they begin to mourn. And let me tell you something. In the ministry, you can be a hero one second and a zero the next. You know what they... And his wife's was taken in that, in that captivity too. So he was hurting just as much as them. But are you listening to me, what they wanted to do to David? They wanted to stone him. You know what the next line says? And David encouraged himself in the Lord. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying in a world that's full of negative, pessimistic people. You better learn to encourage yourself in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for some of you guys that's been in part of team sports, that's 
sometimes a tough deal. You expecting the coach or something. But when you're a calf roper, you're the bus driver, you're the calf roper, you're the player. You've got to do the motivational speeches. You've got to drive yourself there. And sometimes when it gets real hard and they're trying to discourage you, you know what you've done in the private. You know how you're prepared. You know what you're where. And sometimes you have to encourage yourself when nobody else will do it. It don't matter if it's the cattle business, the roping arena, but let me tell you, I'm talking about life today. It's full of discouragement. And you better today, in this day and time, learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. And I think you can do it from these three verses. I'll try not to be long, but if I am, just stay hooked with me or get up and leave. Where the Spirit is, there's freedom. You can stay, you can go, whatever you need to do. Number one, when you read these scriptures and you need encouragement, may it remind you of the faith you represent. Catch that. May it remind you of the faith you represent. Jesus called them to Himself. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To be saved, you are saved by faith, and your faith is in who Jesus is, the Son of God. Your faith is in what Jesus done, left heaven, came to earth, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, then died a substitutionary death, was put in a borrowed tomb, and on the third day, a spectacular resurrection. He was seen by many, and now He's ascended back to heaven. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God, and one day... And one day soon, that eastern sky is going to split wide open. And Jesus Christ is coming to receive those who faith who He is and what He's done. It's not religion, it's a relationship. These men had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we better understand in a discouraging world, He who is in you is greater than He's in the world. You better understand, in this world full of discouragement, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You better understand, in this world, that we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And you better understand, if God be for us, then the question is, who could be against us? 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us, when we have the faith in the Lord Jesus... We become ambassadors for Christ. So I'm trying to encourage you today. You are an ambassador for Christ. That's the faith you represent. An ambassador represents the United States in foreign countries. And you are a foreigner here. Did you know our citizenship's in heaven? Did you realize that? You, people are weird. And my wife, my, my daughter sent a text the other day. You know, she's a dental assistant. And she said, people are weird. And before she ever gave us why she thought people was weird, my wife sent a text back. This is in the family text. She said, well, what do you think people say when we leave their presence? I know what they say when the Pierces walk out of their presence. People are weird. They're texting their family. People are weird. And then she sends a text and she said, somebody wanted their, their, when we cleaned their teeth, they wanted that. 
And she's sworn to privacy. She can't give a patient's name. And you know how bad I wanted to know who that was? Because people are weird. You know what I want to know? What are you going to do with that? Are you going to re-eat it? Are you going to mix it in your horse's feet? What are you going to do with that stuff? That just proves not only they weird, I'm weird. I didn't pry much. I didn't want my daughter to lose her job. So I don't know who it is. And if you're sitting in the presence today, stay afterwards and let me know what you're doing with that stuff. Look here. We're foreigners. That means we're an ambassador down here, and and we're to be a peculiar people. I'm going to tell you what, when somebody tells me I'm weird or peculiar in the name of Jesus, they give me a compliment. And what I am is I'm an ambassador here on foreign soil for the Jesus of heaven. And I want you to think about something. You need some encouragement today? I don't really know how a lot of this government stuff works and how ambassadors work, but I've seen some news clips, and I've seen ambassadors of the United States, and they're the wormiest, weakest-looking people. And I'm thinking, why do they get them little wormy fellers to represent us? And then I'll get, look, just stay with me. They will be standing in front of this king or this president, and they're unarmed. They don't have nothing. And and this king or this president behind him has his guards. They are armed. And behind him sometimes they got their army. And I'm thinking, this ain't good. Look at the wormy little guy. And look at who he's face to face with. You ever watch one of them? And my gosh, that wormy little feller, he stands up and he makes a statement real bold to a king and his army. Not only a bold statement, a statement of authority. And I'm thinking, man, that book, you can't judge it by his cover. That guy, I never dreamed that was in him. I mean, he don't have any back down in him. How does he do that? Let me tell you. He makes that statement because he's got a president and a congress and a representative, are you ready for this? And an army, and a navy, and the marines, and an air force, and a space guard, and a coast guard. He's got them all behind him. And I've learned this in the past few years. One of the few countries that kept their guns, and he's got a bunch of hillbillies with deer rifles behind him. Huh? So this guy's an ambassador. He don't have no backup in him. But the way our country's going in the political world, I'm not real sure how bold I could be as an ambassador for the United States. Because it seems to me like the United States has changed. But when it comes to me for being an ambassador for Christ, I can stand eyeball to eyeball, I can stand chest to chest, and I can stand toe to toe with this world, with the devil and the demons of hell, and I can be an ambassador because who's behind me is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and these the Holy Scriptures, and I'm just telling you, I'm an ambassador, and that's the faith that I represent. So I could encourage myself. He's an unchanging God, and I can be His ambassador. Because, listen, that's the faith I represent. Have you ever thought about David and Goliath? 
I mean, come on. That's the smart way to do war, isn't it? They out there, yeah, yeah. And, and they say, well, hey, instead of a whole bunch of bloodshed, let's just do this. You guys pick a guy. We'll pick a guy. If your guy whips our guy, your side wins. If our guy wins, our side wins. I mean, that just seems like a better way to do it. Save a lot of money, save a lot of bloodshed, and let's just make sure we get our toughest guy. And man, it just didn't look like that's what happened for God's side, did it? I mean, here comes little David. He looks over at Goliath, and don't you just know, Goliath turned around and said, look here, I'm a wolf, he's a lamb. Short work. Get ready to celebrate victory. Huh? But then old David, he's an ambassador for Christ. He gets him five smooth stones. Five's the number of what? Grace. If you're going to be an ambassador of God and you're going to overcome this world, it'll be by the grace of God. It'll be through His power and not your power. It'll be the power of His might and His strength. Are you with me? So He's already. He's an ambassador for Christ. He's got His slingshot. He's got His five smooth stones. Is everybody with me? You ever heard of a smart bomb? They've got those now. Smart bomb. Susie, listen up, girl. Bomb. Somebody tried to turn to Matthew 29 at Telequal. Matthew only has 28 chapters. Boy, I struggle. I get discouraged. Bomb. B-O-M-B. You ever heard of a smart bomb? Tie that with there's nothing new under the sun. And a few years ago, they come out, we got these smart bombs. We've invented these smart bombs. And I said, nothing new under the sun. But, it, but it's new to, to, to the United States, and it's new to the, this world. They get a smart bomb, and they can sit out there in the middle of an ocean, and they can fire this smart bomb, this smart missile. And, and somehow, some way, that thing will go, okay, I, that ain't who we're looking for. We'll go around this house. We'll go over this tree. We'll go down through this, under this bridge. And right there's the terrace we're going to hit. And somehow, that deal just... Pew! That's amazing to me. And they say, man, this is going to this is going to be so good. And I just said, man, that ain't the first weapon that's been called smart. Listen, David had smart rocks. And we better understand that when God is for us, who can be against us? And look here, he took off and he flung that rock out of that slingshot and I'm sure it had to go around this tree. Whoops, there's a squirrel. Down under the squirrel, up over the bird and right through there and kapow, a smart rock hits Goliath right where it was intended to hit Goliath and Goliath goes down. You get discouraged. Why don't you just encourage yourself with the faith that you represent if God's for you? Who can be against you? He's always got your back. But number two, you need to encourage yourself. Don't only do that by the faith that you represent. Do that through the few that will be receptive. Now, doesn't it appear to you in those first 39 verses 
that Jesus is telling His twelve, they ain't going to want to hear you. More of them will not listen than will. Doesn't that imply? Go read that. He's pretty much telling you there's not going to be many listen. Think about the wide road that leads to hell. How many are on it? Many. Think about the narrow road that leads to life. How many are on it? Few. Isn't it something the Bible just lets us know way more people are not interested in hearing what we got to say. Way more people are going to go to hell and they go to heaven. Kind of contradicts what most people stand up at a funeral and everybody goes to heaven. Uh uh-uh. More people that, that, that you go to their funeral, according to Scriptures, not my opinion, more of those people are burning in an everlasting hell than they are in heaven. That's what the Bible says. Think about Isaiah 6. Oh, Isaiah, he, he's, he's, man, he, he has an encounter with God. He sees him sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and he gets all fired up and says, woe is me. And he gets his cleansing from the tongs of the altar. And man, he just, listen, this is what it's about. When you get a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ and you faith him, let me tell you what Isaiah done. The Lord said, whom shall I send? Who shall go for us? And you know what Isaiah did? They slid a contract out there in front of him. And it was as blank as it could be. And he signed his name and said, Here am I, send me. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was going to do. That's what serving the Lord is, is put your name on a blank contract. That's what he done. Whom shall go? Who, who shall I send? Blank contract. He says, Here am I, send me. Don't ask where. Don't ask what. He just says, Here I am. That's service. And then the Lord says, their ears are heavy, they won't hear you. Their eyes are going to be shut, they don't want to see you. (laughs) Oh, Isaiah probably thinking, well, doggone it. I just put my name on a blank contract. I was going to go, thinking people was going to experience what I experienced in this this seeing the Lord. And he just told me they're not going to hear me. So his name's done on the contract. And, and, and I, I love how the sports world today, they'll sign somebody to a weak contract to try to win certain games. Have you seen that? That's crazy. I bet Isaiah's thinking right now, well, if they ain't going to listen, let me do How long? Can, it, can this be like a two-day contract? I didn't really know they wasn't going to listen to me. It's right there in your Bible. He says, how long? How long am I under this contract? And you know what the Lord told him? Till the land's laid waste. Till there's not a man in the house. You said it, brother. It was a lifetime contract. I know why Isaiah's probably sitting there thinking, Jiminy Christmas. Boy, I'd like to have that pen back. I'd like to have those words back. I'm going to tell you what the Lord tells him. Yet a tenth. Yet a tenth. And I just believe men of God are some of the most optimistic people in the world. And how they do it is they have to encourage themselves with the Word of God. So, so what would you do? 
if he said a tenth's going to listen, you're going to be sit there and you're going to be all negative. You're going to go, you mean only a tenth? Come on. Here's what I believe Isaiah thought. A tenth. I tell ten, I get one. I tell twenty, I get two. I tell thirty, I get three. Forty, I get four. Fifty, I get five. Sixty, I get six. Seventy, I get seven. Eighty, I get eight. Ninety, I get nine. Isaiah's sitting there doing his math. If I tell a hundred people, I'm going to get ten people to experience what I just experienced. All about perspective, isn't it? I'm going to tell you what, I believe a wise Isaiah jumped up and said, I've got to get to 10 so I can get 1. I've got to get to 20 so I can get 2. He knew there was just going to be a few that would receive the message. The Bible tells us they're not going to accept it. But this verse right here says, He who receives you receives me, and who he receives me receives him sent me. He said, it's evident in the Scriptures before, it ain't going to be many, but there's going to be a few that's going to receive the message. Look up here. I told you last week about going after getting a call from Miss Hooker, from, from Carol, a daughter-in-law. I told you about going to a hospital and him asking me why I was there. And I said, because Miss Hooker's concerned about your soul. Because your daughter-in-law is concerned about your soul. I'm here because I'm concerned about your soul. I'm here because Jesus is concerned about your soul. And I just knew that man on his deathbed would bow his heart and give his life to Jesus. But I said, it don't matter how concerned us four are, are you concerned? And you know what? It was pretty tough to hear him say, I'm not. And a few days later Slipped off into eternity And without a change of heart Burns in an everlasting hell this moment I think of another man That when we first got saved And Don and I was going to have that first revival We got saved in January and February And we couldn't wait We couldn't get family to church So we got the briskets We we done the smoking And we inviting people to our front yard And I remember going and, and inviting two men In front of Roland's Tire Shop Asking them Man would you guys come to our house We're going to feed everybody free of charge And we're going to have a little preaching A little singing And I'll never forget them two guys I knew them well Friends One of them a neighbor And one one of them looked at the other and said, yeah, we'll come if we can pass an offering plate. Kind of intimidate the new convert, huh? Let me tell you what, I done knew the faith that I represented. You know what I told them guys? I said, you're more than welcome to come and take up an offering. We're not taking up one, so there'll be room for somebody to. So if you guys just want to get up there and explain what you need the money for, I'll have some plates there, some cowboy hats, whatever you need. But if that's what it takes to get you there, come on. Why don't we let people like that intimidate us? I'll tell you one past that. When we was on that bowling league, the Holy Rollers, as we called ourselves, and we kept inviting everybody to church, and that one said, I'll come if I can bring a six-pack. And he wasn't talking about Cokes. I said, I'll tell you what, if you'll come, we'll have you a six-pack and a chair for you. And some of you, I can't believe our preacher said that. Well, if you're uptight about me saying that, you're probably too uptight. What if we could get him to come and listen to the gospel? Because here's my deal. I wasn't worrying about him drinking it. You set it down there. When Jesus went into those houses where they was drunkards and stuff, I'm going to bet you their old, I bet your old glass of wine never moved while he's there. Huh? 
Man, they try to intimidate you. And, and, and that guy that wanted to take up, the, he didn't come. But let me tell you something. He had a bad car wreck a few years later, a bad car wreck. Life is touch and go. I drove to Tulsa. I went in his hospital room. And he could barely hear you. He could just let you know that he acknowledged you. I said, can I pray with you? Barely a nod of the head. I prayed with him. And, and, and I prayed a sermon. And I prayed the Word of God where if, if, if he was lost, and I, I was pretty sure he was, that he'd have enough of the Scripture to be convicted by and trust that the Holy Spirit may call him. But see, he recovered and he got out of there. And I couldn't wait because he was receptive of me praying with him. I couldn't wait till he got to his home in Locust Grove. And I went to his home and I pulled in. And I just knew, Jack, I just knew when I knocked on the door because God had granted him life again. I just knew he was going to get saved that day. I knocked upon his door. And I said, man, God spared your life. And I'm just here to talk to you about your soul. And a big old hand, he was about 6'4", stuck right in my chest. And he said, let me tell you something, Robbie. If I want to know about Jesus, I'll ask. I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. You hear me? I want you to look up here. When I got in my car, the Holy Spirit said, dust your feet, cowboy. That's a scripture. I had tried. I invited. I had prayed. And when that big finger come to my face, when I got in that little Jeep Cherokee, Tears was rolling down my face. And God said, dust your feet, boy. Dust your feet. Two weeks later, his daughter calls me. He died. And she said, he requested you preach his funeral. Now, I want you to look up here. That don't make a lick of sense. I preached his funeral. The message was the same. It was the gospel. But the whole time I'm preaching it, he's one of the many that the Bible talks about wouldn't receive it. Folks, I've been on visit after visit, and I've been in church service after church service and watched knuckles turn white and know somebody needs to come, and many don't come. Many don't receive it. But let me tell you the flip side of that. What's, keep me on, what's kept me preaching for 23 years, what's kept me going to house after house, what's kept me going, let me tell you, is the few. It's the Jack Brickies, Miss Georgia, that you pull up and they say an everlasting I do to Jesus. Huh? It's that few that we win to Christ. So what do we do? We keep going. We encourage ourselves because many won't be receptive, but a few will. And that's the ones that count. And all God's people said. But then I want you to encourage yourself when you look at these verses. They ought to remind you of the faith you represent. They ought to remind you of the few that will be receptive. But thirdly, you can find encouragement in these scriptures because they remind you. Listen to this. That the faithful will be rewarded. Says it right there, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. A prophet's anybody that proclaims 
the Word of God. Then it says, and he receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. What's a righteous man? He's, he's one that lives for God. So a prophet lips it. A righteous man lives it. And you shouldn't be lipping it if you ain't living it. Has everybody got that? Then it says, and whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, listen to this, he shall by no means lose his reward. You mean, listen to this, you mean if I just receive somebody that's serving the Lord with their talent and their gift, According to that scripture, if I receive them, I, I pray for them, I encourage them, that means I can get a reward for receiving and encouraging and praying for them. That's what that means. So, you know, it's been three weeks since I broke loose and sang a song. That's because my wife said, for the name of Jesus, don't sing no more. You cannot sing. When you said you can carry a tune, but you can't unload one, that's the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Don't be singing. So I ain't got to sing in the last three weeks. I'm pleading with the Holy Spirit, let me just to get back at her. And some of you guys are siding with my wife. You say, you're right. You can't sing. But watch this. What are you guys going to think when we get to heaven? And we're all in our little old seats and the Lord's banquet's fixing to take place. And the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So we're all sitting there and they're going to say, I don't know how, I don't know how this is going to come down up there, but they're going to say, okay, it's time for the singing awards. And I can't wait because I know how this thing works. I just read those scriptures. And I'm looking for all the Southeast Baptist bunch, particularly my wife. Because I know the first one that's going to get the singing award. And it's going to knock them off their whatever you sit on in heaven. Now we would like to hand out the singing awards. The first one we'd like to hand out, if you could make your way up here, Mr. Rob Pierce. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to look at all you folks and say, well, what are you thinking? I'm thinking you're right. I couldn't sing a lick, but I loved on the ones that could sing. I prayed for the ones that could sing. I encouraged the ones that could sing. And so guess what? I'm getting a singer's reward. Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah! That's what that scripture means. And then I get, I get tickled. I ain't ever here during the greeters. But I can read faces of the greeters down there at Telequal. I'm trying to get through them while they're greeting and making all faces. i got to preach, man. I don't need greeted. 
And so up in heaven, they think I'm so rude coming in at the last minute and flying in here to preach and I don't greet and I don't shake nobody. He's just trying to get to the pulpit. Why? He's a preacher. But up there in heaven, then people think he's the, he's the rudest guy before services. I'm going to be sitting there and the music rewards are going to be handed out. And they're going to say now for the greeters of greeters. Now I've got my little singing award right here. And they say in the first greeter award, would Rob Pierce make his way back up here to the awards? And I'm going to look at those greeters who maybe didn't think a lot of me, and I'm going to take my greeter's award and say, I thought a lot of you because I thought greeter was so important. I asked you to do it, and I prayed for you to do it in the right way. I encouraged you to do it in the right way. And you maybe never got to greet me, but you greeted a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that come to Exciting Southeast. And guess what? You didn't think I was a greeter. Here's my greeter's award. I'm headed to the feet of Jesus. Are you with me? So there's so much negativity in this world. Then it's going to roll around to the preacher's awards. And there's been so many that bash the preachers like they bash a high school coach. Bash high school coaches on Friday nights and Saturday mornings. Go home and bash so many preachers after a Sunday morning service. Huh? It happens, folks. Average Baptist pastor, about four years in Hideos. You want me to tell you why? God didn't move him. A bunch of negative Nancys and a bunch of backslidden, carnal, fleshly people moved him. So the preacher's award. All those people that bashed him. But I'm trying to teach you something this morning. When they come to you and they begin to bash our services, and they begin to bash our song service, and they begin to bash this preacher, let me tell you what you do. They say, I don't like the order of service. You just say, I love the order of service. I love how the Word of God's preached in our services. I love how the Word of God's not only preached, but it's sang. I love how the Holy Spirit comes down in the middle of our services. And I love how the Holy Spirit moves people into the altars. And if you'll just listen, if you'll just take up for the church that Jesus died for, and if you'll just take up for the men that are serving Him day and night, in and out, up and down, through discouragement things, I'm going to tell you, when they give the preacher's award, you'll never have preached a sermon but your name will be one of the first names it calls and your big eyes saying, man, what did I do? And he said, that's when they was bashing your old preacher, when they was bashing old Rob, when they was bashing that preacher you growed up with. You just received him. You just prayed for him. You just loved on him. And so here you go. Here's your preacher's reward. <laughs> Folks, that's what those verses mean. Bottom line is this. Every one of us have a gift. Every one of us have a talent. And we need to support one another. We need to pray for and encourage one another. And when we do, we'll get the same reward as the guy that's behind the mic, whether it's singing or preaching. We'll get the same reward for the guy that's on the door, the folks that's in the nursery. 
If we just love them and pray for them, we'll get the same rewards of the Sunday school teachers. We'll get the same rewards for the people that's playing the instruments if we'll just pray for them, love them, and encourage them. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. W.A. Criswell tells the story of Tony. Tony was handicapped. But every Sunday morning, I said every Sunday morning, Chriswell would be in his study. Five minutes before he would preach. Knock, knock. Didn't wait for her to come in, but old Tony, handicapped. He'd open that door. He'd walk in Pastor Chriswell's office. He'd go get his jacket. And he'd step behind him and he'd hold that jacket. Chriswell would stick an arm in it, and old Tony, handicapped, get his other arm. And old Tony would look old pastor over real good, give him a nod, handicapped. Walk over and open the door out of his office. Chriswell walked through the door. He'd shut it. He'd get ahead of him, open the door into the auditorium. He'd step through it. He'd shut it. He'd run in front of him and help him up to his seat. And then old Tony would go sit down. Tell me this world ain't full of negative, pessimistic people. They begin to tell Tony, leave the preacher alone. You're bothering him. Leave the preacher alone. You're bothering him. See, Tony didn't know any better than to talk about the preacher behind his back. He just went straight to the preacher. And he said, Pastor, am I bothering you? Then folks out there tell me I'm bothering you. Well, Chris Will turned around to Tony and he said, No, sir, you don't listen to them. When that knock comes on the door, I know I'm five minutes out. When I head to the stage, I know my jacket's been put on and my collar's been straightened. Tony, you don't listen to them people. You open the doors, you shut the doors, you escort to me my seat. You're not bothering me. You're a blessing to me. Old Tony stayed hooked, faithful. One day old Tony died and Chriswell stood behind his casket. And he told him old Tony never preached a sermon. But I'm telling you this, he's going to get the preacher's award. And he said, I'm almost certain when I die, When I get to the pearly gate, I'll be very surprised if it ain't Tony that opens the door and says, Welcome, Pastor. Welcome. You know, right after leading Jack Bricky to the Lord, he was one of the few. Ticket Barnett came to his funeral. That was his brother-in-law. And I can remember... Walking, it was at Locust Grove First Baptist. I can remember walking from where the funeral dinner was over to the church, the sanctuary. And I remember old Ticket Barnett. I mean, big old boy. And you could all cap the big. He is pacing the sidewalk over there in his overalls. Pretty rough past old Ticket had. He was pacing that sidewalk. 
I didn't really know him. I was fixing to go in the church, and I looked at him. I said, sir, you coming in? Nope. I said, won't you come in? I'll be fine right out here. I said, boy, I sure wish you'd come in. I didn't know it, but he did come in. But he didn't come in the sanctuary. He sat right out there in the foyer of that little church. Don't forget, a few will be receptive. It wasn't a few days later, Ticket and I met up. And Ticket said an everlasting I do to Jesus. And let me just tell you, last week didn't I tell you about Wayne Barnes? I mean, he got saved, but he's a liar because he told me he never walked the aisle. And he, he lied, he walked the aisle. You know what Ticket told me when he got saved? He said, now, we live plumb out here at Oaks, Rob. For us, so, so me coming to prior to church, that ain't happening. Do you know Ticket never missed? Our, this church made up a bunch of liars. I'm not walking out. They walked the aisle. I'm not coming to church. It's too far to drive. And the next thing I know, they just keep driving. They just keep coming. So if you're a guest today, you are sitting amongst a bunch of liars. They'll just lie to you. Somebody in here said they wasn't coming to church. And look here, they're here. But not only did he come, let me tell you what old Ticket would do. Old Ticket would come up there after me, just big old man. He'd say, preacher. Old deep voice. I'd say, yeah. He said, boy, you preached awful hard today. Come here. He'd walk me outside and he'd open a nice chest. He said, you better get you something cool to drink. Old Ticket never preached a message. But one day they're going to give preacher's rewards out. And I'm not going to be surprised when Ticket's name's called. But I'm kind of like Dr. Criswell. Criswell with Tony. I've often wondered, when I get to heaven... I wonder if the Lord's going to say, hey, Ticket, I saw what you done down there. I saw you love on your preacher. I saw you always giving him that cold water. Ticket, he's on his way. Sure. You want to meet him? Not Mike Criswell. He thinks it's going to be Tony. I think that old door's going to swing open. And old Ticket's going to say, Preacher! Boy, you've been preaching awful hard. Here's your cold drink of water. Come on in. What I'm trying to tell you today, you live in the middle of a discouraging world. And sometimes you've got to open the Word of God. And you've got to encourage yourself in the Lord. Because there's not many around you that's going to. When you and God's been alone in the private, you know who you are, you know what He said. And when they're trying to dump water on you out here in the world, just go ahead and encourage yourself in the Lord. I know who I am. That's the faith I represent. I know they may not receive it, but there's a few who will.
and the faithful, not the quitters, the faithful, they'll be rewarded. Let's all stand. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, I know with a crowd this size, some just needed some encouragement today. In the middle of a negative and a discouraging world, they just needed encouragement. Father, maybe they just come and kneel in these altars today thanking you for the faith that you give them and the faith that they represent. Father, I pray that these altars would be used to come and thank you for the few that are receptive to the gospel. And Father, maybe somebody that's considered throwing in the towel or perhaps even threw in the towel, they realize that faithfulness will be rewarded. And they're ready to be faithful unto the end. Sign their name on a blank contract. Say, here am I, send me. But then perhaps somebody within the sound of my voice today, you just know you're lost and you need to be saved. And today's the day that you want to step out and come and let us show you from the Word of God how to give your heart and life to Jesus. Father, I pray that people would be responsive in the way that you'd have them respond to not my message, but your message. Thank you, Lord, for the encouragement we find in your Word. Have your way in the hearts of us, your people. Would you come?